guys, welcome to the Seven Figure Box Show. This is Andrew Frezza, and I'm joined today by my good friend Chris Thorndike from Live Athletic and Factory Forge. And today we're going to be talking about how to increase your prices through quality coaching and a more focused business model. And Chris has worked with hundreds of gym owners, you know, both casually and formally in one-on-one. Uh, mentoring and coaching. And he's been around the, the gym industry for almost 14 years now as the original owner of CrossFit Gainesville, now Live Athletic. And during COVID, Chris downsized his gym. He, he owned his building and he decided to uh, rent out, lease a portion of his space so he could downsize and focus his business model, raise his prices and, and become more of this niche model again that a lot of gym owners really should be considering doing, especially in a time like this. So thanks for coming on, Chris. It's always yeah, good thanks for me. having me. Catch I feel like we always make magic when we get together. There's a lot of knowledge <laughs> to be shared between you and I. So uh, I always look forward to, to connecting. Yeah, me too. Um, so can you take us through, you know, maybe the last 18 months of just like, take us through what actually happened and then what you've seen in the last six months or so as you've kind of pivoted to this newer form of your gym? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if you've been in the gym world and, and living it, the pandemic probably was the most significant uh, change that I've ever seen. Like you said, you know, 14 years, I've ridden some waves um, and recessions and nothing really has ever happened like this. And I think from the outside you know, reflecting back, I don't think we quite understood what the scarcity mindset or the fear uh, would do of potentially contracting the virus by attending group training or, or spending time with people. And when that really hit, I think it forced everyone into this uncertainty. And, you know, we kind of floated, I would say, as an industry for a little bit, you know, things like PPP, things for, you know, here in Florida, you know, we had it kind of made in comparison to some other areas. Like I, I just got off the, the phone with a gym that was closed exactly one year um, in the UK. And could you imagine that? It's like we here were like eight weeks, but it wasn't just eight weeks. It was the fear and the mindset of, is it safe? And that continued to extend well beyond, um, you know, the period of time that you guys were closed and we were closed. So I think that was the initial shock of saying, holy cow, like, how do I adapt? And if I do make these changes, how much of them are going to need to be permanent to justify the setup and the time and the energy that go into it? And how much of it is just like a bridge to, you know, get to the other side and say, hey, whoa, we made it through. That was crazy. And we're back on track doing what we love. So I think that was kind of the overview of, of where everyone's head was at, you know, and what I was thinking about um, was a little different. I would say I was kind of in the mindset of preparing, you know, for my daughter. Um, she was born the same day that the gym was closed. It was, I'm literally in the, the delivery room on my, iP- you know, my laptop typing a message saying, Hey guys, we're closing the gym. Um, so it was a crazy time for me, but I almost, this is nuts to say this, but I was relieved like, cause I had so many, uh, ideas that I wanted to implement in consolidating. And, and honestly, guys, I was burned out. Like we were in 5,000 square feet. We were running, um, 200 plus, you know, members in our facility, four full-time employees, four part-time, uh, you know, five different programs. And I was just thinking to myself, this is a lot of energy, a lot of effort. And I want to give that energy to my family and my daughter. And, um, I didn't think I had any more bandwidth, if you know what I mean. And uh, it just felt like I was really thin. And for the better part, you know, you could say we were successful and things were um, moving. It's just, I thought there was a better way of doing it based on the, how I felt when I first got started. And how I first got started, I was leaner, smaller location. I felt like more, more connection with my clients. Um, there was a sense of... Um, relationship that was different. Um, and I really value, and, and you know, this us growing up together, like I get a lot of memories from the soccer team days and like what it felt like to be on a team. And as the facility got bigger and bigger, it was harder to maintain that sense of 
strong community, um, sense of relationship um, and ease uh, that comes along with, you know, building just a really strong local um, connection with people. So I wanted to get back to that type of relationship. I wanted to get back to a certain level of income and profit and feel like it was sustainable. Feel like I could invest in, you know, my daughter's education, um, travel, you know, be um, in a better relationship with my wife. Being in a, a a gym business, you're constantly feeling like you're up early, uh, managing a lot of people problems that can come into your household and it puts stress on the relationship. And I was just ready for a change, man. So I think that that was the catalyst for me to say, Hey, those two weeks, I need to really rethink and reevaluate. And what we realized was there was a couple things that we needed to, to change. One, you said it yourself, like pricing, when you, when you consolidate your facility, you only have so many spots. So we actually had more members than we had spots available. Um, but the pandemic was kind of thinning that out as, as many of you guys have felt. Um, so it was a good opportunity for us to just take the leap of faith and say, hey, when we're opening, we're going to increase rates. We're going to stay at 12 people um, as a cap uh, opposed to 20, you know, and um, really get to a place where what is the expectation for enrollment uh, to meet attrition was the expectation for total cap of members we could really fit in the gym instead of a mindset. I just need more, more, more. Um, so those were kind of the, the, the subtle changes, um, from a, a bird's eye view and, um, why we were making the decisions we were, um, I think there was that level of, I'm ready for reinventing myself in a new way that allowed me, um, more freedom, uh, more consistent income, and I didn't want to work so hard. Um, I know that sounds nuts uh, to, to say it like that. Like I'm, a, I'm an extremely hard worker, but I didn't want to, I wanted a bigger ROI for my energy and time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's not the right way to say it of you didn't want to work so hard because knowing you, I would, I know that's never the case. What I see on the outside looking in and, and this is how I've seen it with myself too, is that both you and I have so many things that we're passionate about. And we also have several different businesses that we have and legs to each of our businesses with, you know, what you do with factory forge in addition to live athletic, what I do with seven figure box in addition to fit town and we can get spread thin. And it's not necessarily that, uh, we don't want to work that hard, but like you said, is the, is there the ROI for the energy that we're putting in, you know, is it a hell yeah for us? Is it this thing that we're ultimately really excited about working on and if it's not how much time do you really want to spend on that thing yeah that's a hard thing to like that's a stripe you have to earn i think you don't really arrive at that place where you can say no or start cutting things that sound like really exciting opportunities until you've taken enough on and either felt overloaded or actually started several of these projects and realized man i'm way off track right and and I feel almost like this, this teenager in business that grew and matured to an adult. And, you know, you've got all this wisdom now. You're like, oh, I know where that person's going to go if they make that decision. And, you know, we try, you know, through seven figure box and podcasting and like all the, the, the legs we're trying to put into, um, you know, helping owners in the fitness industry, I think leapfrog these mistakes because, Andrew, honestly, like if we don't share, if, if, you know, uh, a decade of your experience and, and mine, if we don't pass that information on, I feel like those after us are going to continue to make the same pro, you know, mistakes we made. And so I feel like we owe it to our industry, um, to pass this information on and, and help them get to a place where we are literally as an industry, solving major problems. And I think one of the things I'm excited to talk to you about today is reaching a level of value and price point that creates sustainable careers in which we are no different than um, professional, you know, careers that your friends talk about that, 
you know, not only are they happy with the income, they're happy with the travel, the vacation, they're happy with the retirement that are happen, you know, happy with all of the aspect of that. And um, if we're going to create that in our fitness industry, we, we need to start passing the pitfalls of reaching for too many things or, you know, going down roads that we we've determined already aren't the right road for, for fitness owners. I agree. Um, can you take us through, so you had 5,000 square feet, you had a bunch of different programs said four full-time, four part-time, where is it today in terms of those, those kind of data points? Yeah. So in, in doing this, we realized that, um, uh, one of the first things that you can adjust in your schedule is, is actually the schedule, um, that controls logistics. And then inside that schedule um, has a really key component, which is the number of people you can serve at a high level. And in most, you know, owner conversations where this comes up, um, people say no higher than 20, but the sweet spot's right around 15 for a really professional uh, coach-led class that has exercises with you know, higher levels of skill. So those two things, when you factor them in, um, will pretty much spit out how many total members you can serve. So we basically created a formula and we said, what is it going to take financially to uh, live the life we want, to have plenty of income, uh, profit to do, you know, projects and grow and, you know, all the things that we want out of the, the business. And we realized that that was actually right around 100 members. And by serving 100 members, it meant that we needed to be more towards the price point of 250 bucks a month. And in doing so, it allowed you know, us to really focus on uh, less is more. And what I mean by that is by you know, not focusing on volume, focusing on quality, things really started to transform in terms of um, the, uh, yes, the income and the profit, but it didn't come immediately. We really had to go through this mind shift in saying, how are we going to get ourselves to believe that our program is worth $250, right? How are we going to communicate that to our members that have been loyal and, you know, uh, are at much lesser rates than that? And how are we going to justify that to them so that they believe what we believe in terms of our current value and why we can, you know, go from say a 20 person class and a 12 person class, and that's going to be a better experience. That's going to be a better, um, you know, relationship with them that they will value more and want to pay more. And, you know, all the things go through your head of like, are they going to think I'm greedy? Are they going to, you know, not like me? Are they going to leave? Is the cash flow going to drop? Am I going to feel that? So all of those things were really in my mind. Um, but, you know, kind of going from 5,000, we went to 2,000. Going from upwards of 40 plus classes a week to 27. Um, going from 20 people in a class to 12. Those are all some of the logistics side of really showing the before and the after. And when you make those kind of changes, the math will not work unless you increase the rates. You know, for a certain part of this, the, the overhead's the overhead. Um, you know, with the exception of rent changing, um, uh, a lot of those costs are generally fixed. You know, I've realized in, I don't know if you've seen our profit calculator, but it's typically about six grand in operating costs to run these facilities plus rent. So, you know, if you're paying $3,000 in rent, you're just to operate is about nine grand, um, not even factoring in payroll or profit, uh, owner income. So that's really important to know your numbers so that you can take that total cost, divide it by how many people you can fit on your floor um, and how many classes. And then you arrive at a mathematical way to look at this and say, man, that's what I need to charge and remove the emotional side of it. Um, so that's what we did. We, we tried to look at it really black and white. And then the mindset was, how do we grow into a coaching team and a program capable of selling that 
type of program and delivering those kind of results that people stay year round um, and see the value and, and recognize that, yeah, they could go down the street and pay a hundred, you know, hundred dollars less per month, mm-hmm. but how do they, how do we keep them happy enough so they don't? So that's, that's what I want to dive into. How did you, how do you communicate? How did you communicate? I would imagine it's somewhat different to take a current member to where a previous current member to where you were from where you were to now versus now communicating to a new member in the door. What did you do? Well, what would you change about how you're communicated or what have you learned in this process? Yeah. And this is really the model that we teach in factory forged where this was a lot of, um, nerves. And I think this is the like issue in the market right now is a lot of people tell me, I know I need to increase my rates, Chris. I know I'm undervalued and there's this sense of fear. And I want to tell you guys that after going through this and getting, you know, uh, dozens and dozens of owners to, to realize this same benefit of increasing rates, 30, 40, 50, $70 a month. And the impact it's having on them is, is profound. So it's scary. It's, it's nerve wracking. I don't, I don't think I've met a single owner that was like, man, I don't know if I can do this. I got people, you know, telling me they're going out the night before they send the email out and like trying to calm the nerves. Like they're, you know, like guys, it's a real thing. So that's just part of the process. But the other side is what is so sweet and, and validating. And, um, you feel such like a leveling up. Um, it's, it's, it's awesome. So I, I think the first thing is recognizing like, yes, there's two different groups of people, right? The new members don't know any different. So that is a strategy in, in saying, hey, we can immediately start shifting perspective at the point of contact down to uh, the, the point of sale. And they're going to have a whole different expectation. And uh, you know, a lot of people out there say, hey, I can do that, no problem. But what happens is a lot of people increase rates and then they have such a large discrepancy. I've seen as much as $100 in difference from like loyal long-term members to new members coming in the door. That's a big gap to close. Um, so there's that strategy and saying, yes, you absolutely need to do that. But the the bridge that I want to build for people's mindset, it's it's really the same thing as like how you're communicating why people should spend that kind of money uh, in your program is really the same conversation that you need to have with your current members in helping them see either the things that you have changed and things that you have invested, almost like a reminder. And I've, I've come to realize that we're not great internal marketers um, about the features, the benefits, the, the, the little investments you guys have all made, whether it is physical, like, you know, um, your facilities, your equipment, your coaching team. But I want you to think beyond that in your knowledge in how you've invested in, uh, communicating or caring for clients or, you know, the coaching skills that you've acquired, like those are all valuable things that need to get recuperated and added you know, into the cost of providing this service. And that is often, Andrew, where I, I think people are missing that piece of saying, the longer you go from increasing your rates, the harder it's going to be to communicate because years and years have gone by where you've just kind of introduced these things, but didn't highlight why they're helping this person stay on track, why they're actually uh, benefiting from uh, these additions. And if you don't, and you just keep pumping that stuff in, you're not realizing the cost of your investments. And every business that's successful understands that they have to create a margin and hold that margin or increase it. If they're going to be successful, you can't keep absorbing the cost of doing business to the point where you're breaking even or operating at a loss. So that is essentially what happens. But uh, the conversation yeah, typically starts with new members and then merges into existing members, but you must communicate either what has changed and why it's important to keeping this person on track and fit year round or what's coming, what you're excited about in terms of the direction of the program 
and how that's going to benefit them even more as you start to communicate this value and showcase that. So that is the first thing I would say of this, this strategy is you have to believe that your program is worth it. And one of the first things is outlining that and putting it in black and white in the form of like an email. Okay. And I highly recommend shooting a video on it too, being personable and talking about the things you're telling them in the email. Um, but that is the strategy. Uh, we, we typically send a 90 day notice, um, put it in email format, shoot a video and click send. And you must be buttoned up in terms of elevating the value that they uh, are going to feel. So you have to deliver. You can't just talk about the things that you've, you've done or invested in or plan to do. You, they have to feel that. Um, so that's the first thing. And then, um, you know, obviously clicking send, right? Like that feeling is going to be hard, you know, for anyone. So just note, like there, there's going to be nerves. The last piece of this is something we talk a lot about inside Forged is um, being comfortable with rejection, being okay with people saying, it's not for me, um, you've been great to me, or I'm moving on, I can't afford it, um, or just being misunderstood. Like, it's okay, guys, like, to, to have someone perceive you as something you're not, or misunderstand your intentions, and you can't get everybody onto your boat, but you can try, but it's not a guarantee that when you make a change like this, that everyone's going to be okay with it. And we have to own it and say, this is the direction we're going. We're going North. Who's coming with me. Who's getting on the bus. And you're trying to make that as desirable and attractive for people as possible. And you have loyalty and you have trust, but that doesn't guarantee they're going to come in this new direction with you. Have you struggled with that at all? And and um, do you have any good strategies for breaking through that? Because I find that with myself, with other gym owners that I talk to, coaches in our gym, that we invest so heavily in the members and in the relationship and in their results that when you get those things, those those messages, you hear through the grapevine of someone saying that, you know. It is about the money, you know, you're, you're greedy for raising your prices or whatever it might be that I would throw in this bucket of being misunderstood. And you, you sort of know deep down that, no, this isn't true, but it's still as much as you've poured into those, those people, it's still not easy to hear that, you know? So do you have any good strategies for working through that? Yeah. Um, you have to have conviction. And what I mean by that is no one's going to give you permission or tell you it's okay to do this. Like you have to believe that if you have more resources, financial resources, you're going to be able to use those to better your training program. And think about this. If your income goes up, you worry about money less. If your profit goes up, you can reinvest in things that you're thinking about or wanting to do for your members and create a place that is unique, is special, is more desirable. So what I'm talking about is not about greed. It's about really looking at it in terms of if you get money out of the way, you can actually create a, a way better experience in a coaching program for your people. So this is not about being selfish. This is about organizing the resources to, to build exactly what we want to build to benefit the member, right? Because at the end of the day, if we're not backing this up and delivering it, people are not going to train with us anyways. So if you starve your business and you and you you know try to operate a break even or, or barely get by, that's also not helpful. You're not doing anyone a favor by you worrying about money all the time, feeling drained, not you know being able to recharge. You're not going to show up as that 100% coach. You're going to be distracted. You're going to be low in in terms of motivation, energy. So. That's how I started looking at it. And you have to adjust your mindset and say, if I could have these things, I will be a better program, a better atmosphere. Uh, I can create a coaching team with everything they need to develop our, our clients, unlike anywhere else. So it really took the shift in saying, one of the reasons that I'm not financially organizing the resources because I, I, I can't charge um, 
enough. And you need to throw that out and say, I can charge more. People will pay more. They do it every day, right? Like Netflix sends out a pop-up to increase pricing um, and, and grocery stores increase prices and you don't even notice. So these things are actively a part of our life every day. Um, it's just, it's emotional and it's, it's hard because you like this person and you're friendly with this person. And I don't know if I've shared this with you before, but like, we're also not friends with our clients. We're friendly. And there's a difference. Like they literally are hiring us to do a job. So that's how I need to look at this is saying, Hey, I, I need to keep this person on track year round. And if I had certain resources, man, I, I can crush it for you. I I'll be able to, you know, invest in things that will really keep you at a level that you've never gotten to, let alone maintained. And, and that's the conviction part, Andrew, that I'm talking about is like, you have to believe that you're going to manage that money. Well, you're going to manage that program at a higher level. The goal is not to just stay, you know, where you're at and then just charge more. The goal <laughs> is to keep getting better and leveling up. And that, that mindset means that you need more research to do it. And that, when you look at your, your program, you genuinely know that you've made investments in yourself, in your team, in your facility, and it is time to level up. And here's the last bit of this too, is I think family and understanding that so, a lot of gym owners started out when they were super lean, meaning single or in, you know, unmarried, no kids. As you go through these life cycles, your cost of living goes up. So your business must adjust if your lifestyle is going to adjust. And that was a big anchor for me is, is just recognizing um, those components of saying, I wanna do better for my members, I need more resources. I wanna do better for my family, I need resources to do that, that come from you know, my, my, my business. And I want to improve my coaching team and get them excited so that I can create this experience when I'm not there. So I can create this culture uh, when I'm not there and I want freedom for my business, the product on the floor, the experience that they're getting doesn't drop. And you know, this better than most is you, you need to spend time with your coaches. That's management time. So you got to pay people. You're the manager. You also need to pay yourself to be there. This isn't a hobby. So when you start wanting to improve the coaching quality, uh, you start looking at it and saying, man, okay, I want a coach's meeting. Okay, I want to e do evaluations. Um, that's all time, time, time. And what I've done is I put dollar signs next to how much time it takes for the coach to be there, for the manager to be there or the owner. And just cut nothing out and said, hey, if we're going to be a pro level, everybody gets paid. And nobody's donating time. No one's, you know, there just because it's funsies. Like this is a professional business and everything Andrew started elevating and the members feel that. So here's the last thing I would say is to get over that mindset, you have to recognize that there's a little bit of fear. However, what I didn't mention on the other side of this when you click that send button, you're going to get the complete opposite of what you think. They're going to say, Andrew, I'm not going anywhere. I don't care if you would have doubled your rates. You're 100% worth it. I've never been in this best, you know, this, this shape in my life. You guys changed my life. Take my money. Like all these things you're going to experience. And what is going to happen is the cash flow part is going to take care of itself where you'll have a few members leave and um, majority of the time there is a net positive cash flow uh, from new membership sales from existing members coming up in price and there you realize this transformation in your business and the respect you have of getting everybody at the level that is current market rates that's awesome um that's super tactical it's inspiring and it's cool to see uh you going through this journey this evolution and being willing to share that um because i think it's going to help a lot of a lot of gym owners out there how does 
how does the coaching play into it? You started to talk about coaches development, the meetings and, and paying for this, holding a higher standard. Um, how much of it is a tangible coaching shift versus and instead of like um, tangible, meaning like they can cue and correct better, they have more technical knowledge versus a mindset shift of the coaches and their approach with the, the clients. So <clears throat> there's, there's a lot that went into this and, and we can touch on the tactical stuff, but I'll just kind of overview some of the other areas where when you go to a smaller class, there's less spaces and availability. So there's scarcity already of like, can I get into this class that I had plenty of you know spots before? So that immediately shows more value of, man, I got to want to be here and willing to put in time or I'm not going to get a spot. Um, so that was one of the things that I, I really appreciate about COVID and I think was needed is this focus on, we only have so many spots. And when you look at it that way, uh, you can optimize the equipment. So in terms of like what equipment each station needs, um, how much floor space, how much rental space, um, I got super lean in terms of, um, just adjusting all the equipment in the space. And what that allowed me to do is say, what formats of workouts allow me to run with less space? So I need less equipment in storage, right? Because I don't want to just pay, you know, for square footage that I'm storing stuff. So it, we had to be very strategic on, you know, workout format. And by controlling the workout format, it really shifted us as a coach to say, well, what is a program need to look like to, uh, you know, keep people in stations feeling that they have plenty of space to, uh, handle progressions that meet, you know, our advanced people, our new people and feel like it's a cohesive class. So there's all these inner things happening in terms of scarcity and, and smaller number of people on the floor, which is a good thing because it meant now with less people, more frequency of people, or the, I should say the same people, I have better relationship. I can see them move on a regular basis and we can offer up more specific cues per person. You know, anyone that's coached a 30 person class versus like a 10 person class, you can individualize and personalize. And that's ultimately one of the, the key things that we enroll people into at our, um, you know, I would say premium you know, coaching prices now is they're really looking for um, instruction, feedback, personalization, modifications, adjustments that is just really difficult to do at a certain class level. You know, and, and you know this better than most is like when you start getting into high volume classes, it's much easier to put someone on a, a rower, a bike, um, you know, a treadmill like an Orange Theory and they cut down the complexity or the risk. Well, when you have smaller classes, you can do, in my opinion, way cooler exercises. You can teach things that you can't. Um, it doesn't get as repetitive. You have more variety. So all of this has to be bottled up in saying, this is really valuable for people that are bored <laughs> with their training. This is very valuable for people that feel stuck and don't know what to do or how to do it, or are they even confident in their program? Um, do they have someone who's designing workouts that really have an outcome or an intention? So when you really focus on the coaching experience, I think the programming plays a role, the format of the workouts, the group size, the individualization that's going into each person on the floor is where we start to get into this is their perception of when they walk into class, what is that like? Does the coach know my name? Do I get welcomed? Um, am I getting properly warmed up? Do I feel like, you know, I'm getting called on or, you know, given feedback at say the warm up or the instruction, or even am I getting pushed or pulled in the class workout according to fatigue or um, am I being challenged if there's more opportunity in me that I can't see or feel, but the coach comes alongside and offers up an additional dumbbell or, you know, gives you specific feedback on 
bumping up your road time. You know, so all these things, Andrew, is when you start looking at personalization are unique selling points. I love that. There's so many things that are, are coming to mind for me. You had said something earlier about we are friendly with our members, but we're not necessarily friends with our members. Not that you couldn't be, but right. you know, if you have 100 members, 98% of them you're going to be friendly with, but not friends with, even though you might have a few really good, strong friends in that bunch. And from the coaching standpoint, I think that sometimes there's confusion in that, in the sense that we forget what that person is coming to us for, and we're not digging enough. We're not really trying to, to, to constantly recalibrate with that person. Why are they here? What are they struggling with today? Where do they feel stuck? And it could be a big thing. It could be a small thing. It could be, uh, you know, a little nagging thing that they're feeling that day. It could be something that's been going on in their personal life for years or their nutrition for years that is really holding them back. And I think what you're building on the business side of lessening the classes, creating this higher price point model, it's all leading, I think, coaches in a way to a place where they they have to get beyond just creating a good social experience and they have to actually be invested in that client's result. And I've found personally that clients at different price points value different things. So if you actually tried to do your model at a hundred dollar price point or $150 price point, even if the numbers worked, which we, we know that they don't, um, even if they worked, the model wouldn't work because that client by paying that price point is valuing different things. So like one example that I've noticed with this is we've done one-on-one -on -one nutrition and lifestyle coaching before, and we're now doing a program where we're doing this, a 63 day transformation where they're, they're paying thousands of dollars for it. When they pay that 63 day transformation, they pay thousands of dollars we do a weekly check-in with them. We do a 15 to 20 minute phone call or in-person meeting every single week. That person values that tremendously. If we were to try to do that with a $200 a month client, that weekly check-in would be a nuisance for them. It would feel like overwhelming, like a to-do for them because they're not, they don't value it the same way. They're not the right type of client for that. And I think what you're talking about with your group model to a smaller degree is that that $250 client is going to notice the 12 person cap. They're going to notice the attention to detail of coaching. Whereas the hundred dollar client actually doesn't want that. They're actually like, no, leave me alone, bro. Get, let me do my thing. Let me do my workout. And these things have to be aligned in order for it to, to work, not just financially, but like logistically as well. 100%. I, th I think you hit it on the head where, um, you yourself as the owner have to have the vision and the direction and that, that understanding of what's doable with your skill set, your experience, your technology, all to deliver this service in the form of a coaching program. And early on, one of the things that I was doing um, was this high touch service using employees uh, in full-time coaches. And one of the biggest transformations that I've seen in our industry is the use of technology. So softwares have radically changed over the last two years. And this is one of the biggest things that we've actually ingrained in our company and in factory forge companies is it's replaced Andrew, a full-time person. And, you know, when you can replace a full-time salary and deliver more service in terms of touch points or feeling, uh, you know, individualized text messages, but they're sent out automatically. All these things are going to allow you to scale. So yeah, without either technology or without the understanding um, on how to create value, there's always going to be a gap and you're going to be stuck at the level of thinking that I need to do more and more and more for cheaper or for the rate I'm comfortable with. And um, you're absolutely right. I mean, the person has to feel like they have a problem, has to feel uncomfortable that they cannot solve it on their own. And 
until they get to that awareness level of their problem, they're, they're either stuck at not truly understanding how, you know, out of whack they are from getting that end result, or we're not in the industry. This is, I think another problem is we're not helping people see that we're a real solution for them. And, and when I say that, uh, more openly, I mean your ideal client. And to your point, you know, a several thousand dollar client to do this program, that's not for everybody. So you have to know that person very intimately to create the marketing, create the promotion, really talk to them at the level they're on for them to say, wow, like this is everything I've been looking for. Take my money. It's not give me a discount, bro. Uh, you know, can, can you do half this? I could pay you next month at the end of the program. Like, it's not that it's really focusing on the people that value. And, and what I've done is it said, Hey, group training is my passion. It's about bringing people together. It's about relationships being physically like social in person. Right. Um, and we, you know, essentially niche down and are the best at doing what we do. And it is noticeable from the point of contact to the experience they're getting on the floor on why we are what we are. But we had to create that. We had to develop that. And I think a lot of businesses are stuck in either running too many models, trying to be a little bit of everything to everybody. And in doing so, if you don't have the right pricing structures in place and the right marketing and volume of clients coming in, it becomes almost like riding this bull that you're just hanging on, but the math doesn't work. And, you know, the service doesn't work and the turnover is too high or the, the leads aren't enough to, you know, cover a church. And so it becomes this, this feeling truly like you're riding this bull. And, um, my model offers up a simplistic model of saying, if you love group training, if you, you know, want to work in your business and have a certain level of freedom and income, you must grow into the coach capable of selling this above market value. Since you've done the formulas and the calculators yourself, both for your own gym, and I know you've helped others walk through the same process, can you rattle off essentially what you feel is like the perfect size gym. So if you were, you or one of someone you were recommending is like going to start a gym from scratch. They want to follow in your footsteps. They believe or aligned with what you think. Could you nail down and say, yeah, you'd be this square footage. You'd have this many members. You'd be at this many price point. Like, is it that clear to you what those numbers look like? Yeah, it, it, and here's, here's the simple way to look at it. It's 15 people on the floor build a space around them. And what does that space look like for equipment? What does that space look like for office? It's kind of interesting when the pandemic hit, a lot of people are doing work from home, you know, and how, do you need as much equipment or space or could you change your format of your workout? Run things like fight gone bad style, right? Like stations and not everyone gets one piece of equipment. So there, there are ways to do it, but I think the, the ideal facility size is based on the quality and the experience that you can deliver and not just you as the owner, but the newest coach on your team. It's, it's got to be replicatable to every class and, and you have to, you know, cause as, as a sales person talking about how great your program is, and most owners do this. And then you make the, the, you know, the, the new sign up. And then when they get on the floor and that's not you, and it's a coach, it's like, you better feel like your coach is going to bring that or they're at risk for all the hard work that you've done to, to showcase, you know, this, this program. So I, I honestly think in group training model, it's 15, um, for our level of technique and exercise selection and, you know, personalization in, in, in the program, but that is arguably one of the creative things for an owner is like, well, if you cut out the barbell, you know, you can cut down on some complexity 
and increase the class size, which then increases the facility size. So if I had to base it on like the style of training and methodology that we like using barbells and, you know, CrossFit being an early methodology that really shaped us, um, I think it's 15 people um, per class. Uh, and I think that 27 classes is a great uh, model to run. It's five classes a day, Monday through Friday, two on Saturday, closed on Sunday. Um, and I think that puts it somewhere around like 125 uh, spots available. Um, but I would say 2,500 square feet to the, to maybe 3000. What's your, um, your math on spots available is daily potential attendance. And that's what usually 70% of your total membership base or what is that? Yeah. So you'll take the, you know, total number of people that can fit on the floor and then how many classes are available. Right. So that gives you total attendance, like you said. Um, and then we divide that by an average that people come three days a week. Um, so that spits out your total capacity. The thing that I would recommend to you guys, you know, thinking on this is you can't run your facility year round at hundred percent, you know, it ebbs and flows, you know, uh, like most businesses. So if you try to price yourself based on hundred percent capacity, you're going to find that that's not a realistic number um, to maintain profitability. So what we do is we take 85% of that and then, then price that based on that. Um, so say it's hundred members, you'd, you'd price yourself 85 divided by your total operating costs. And then it would tell you exactly what you need to charge for your core membership. Cool. Um, I wanted to come back to uh, some coaching stuff. And you had mentioned this, this example of someone coming to you, you sell them on the program because you're the owner, you're passionate about group training, and then they're with one of your coaches. And I've, I've felt strongly about this recently. And as I was preparing for this podcast of how important the leadership side is of coaching leadership, meaning there's a level of confidence in being able to deliver a result and your you're willing to lead that, that client to that and kind of take control of it. Um, I also think that that has to be balanced out with experienced coaches. I find tend to be more collaborative than they need, than they are one way with stuff. So those sound like contradictory things that, okay, if I'm a leader, that sounds more one-sided and I'm not listening to the client. But I actually find that on the floor, as coaches get more experience, they become more collaborative with the client rather than, hey, drive your knees out, drive your knees out, do this, do this. Like they might cue like that from time to time, but it's a lot of checking in. How did that feel? Uh, you know, does that work for you? Hey, let's try this and, and then check in immediately after. So I just want to hear your thoughts on, on those ideas and how you feel coaches can really present themselves in a higher value way to the client? I love this question or everything around this topic, honestly. I mean, as a long-term coach, um, we're always looking to level up. And I think that's what I most appreciate about you of diving deep into the mastery of the tactics and the strategies of, of being a world-class coach. And I think one of the issues in our industry is how do we pass these skill sets down to our coaching team? Because the owners are often the most experienced. Um, and how do we replicate ourselves? How do we create this cohesive um, team? And I think to what you're talking about is there's a level of patience. There's a level of uh, clarity as an experienced coach to say that, I can do more harm with a lot of cues. I could do more distraction with saying a lot of different technical words while someone's in a workout or while someone's trying to move their body and you're, you're giving them all these commands. And I think to the new coaches that we're paving the way for and creating opportunities in, in all of our gyms is there needs to be a progression just like you know working out. 
for coaches to follow. And I think when I hear leadership, like you're saying, it's like, we need a way of teaching these coaching skill sets in a, what I'd say, like a, a systematic or a way that has guidance and a plan and allow them to understand that, yes, one of the first steps is understanding the, the points of uh, performance and learning cueing. But saying the same thing over to someone in terms of cueing is not going to get them to become a better mover. And what you've kind of tapped into is like how you say things, how often you say things, the, the better you know a client, the better you can personalize the cue. Some of my best cues are the ones that I've never said uh, in, in open format. It was so unique to that one person. Then they have that aha moment. But the only way that cue presented itself is because I knew they had a, you know, a background in martial arts or I knew they were a musician. And it was like all those things are relevant when you know the client. And then they're like, oh, that just clicked for me. That feels good. So if we're really looking at it as, yeah, there's a learning phase to this. And it's like, how quickly do these people get on the floor and take ownership of this class before they're truly ready with this understanding and also how to make that efficient and, you know, uh, helpful to the business side. So I definitely understand the balance and this dance we play as owners to be like, but I need them now I'm burned out or I'm tired. or I want to launch three more classes. And I've got this person who's super excited and they're ready and they're level one or they're, you know, level whatever. And they're just excited and they've been a, you know, athlete for years, like whatever, like I get that side of it, but we as owners have to think about what's the experience, what's the product like, what's the you know quality of everybody on the floor receiving that through this, this coach. And that's the lens I spend a lot of time on is um, really looking at it from how do I create and replicate um, my coaches to have a format to how they do things, have a consistency to them, not take away style, but give a guideline so that we operate like a team. You know, we've got plays. So we have certain progressions that we follow. Uh, we have certain ways of doing things so that there's an, an order of operations and organization. Um, but that takes a lot of time to do. And that, you know, starts to get into the structure of how to build a, a, a really solid coaching system. But to your point, yeah, I think there's this eagerness in young coaches to uh, be heard, to help. Um, and then there's a maturity in coaches that have been there and tried that. And I don't want to take away from, you know, any early, you know, coaching listeners. Like we've all done that. Like we've all rattled off the same cue 15 times and the person didn't move and make any adjustment or they get frustrated and feel defeated like we've been there. And I think there's certain level of guidance and mentorship that would cut that learning curve down and have like a back pocket coaching cue or try something else um, faster, which then would give a lot more confidence to our younger coaches to feel like they have a, a better strategy in, in doing this with multiple personalities. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I think one thing that you always bring to the table, Chris, is a, a level of curiosity about things, a level of questioning with things as you've, I've seen you reinvent your, yourself and your businesses many times. And I think you kind of take that same element on the coaching floor of always being willing to try things, always being willing to, to be curious, reinvent yourself. And I think that's something that all coaches can really embrace and gym owners as well. Appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, the, you do it this long, right? And, and I'm, I know all of you guys that have gotten past the two-year mark, right? Let the, the early excitement of like, I'm helpful and I've taken this journey myself and I want to give back to that. You know, like once you get into the mastery of it, it becomes almost like a game, right? Of like, how, how do you get people to move better with uh, less cues? How do you get them to be more relatable, to be more impactful? And uh, I think that's part of being sharp and in, in leveling up yourself, right? Of, of saying, how great can I be? Um, 
I don't know, maybe next year we're, we're saying I've mastered the art of like head nodding and I've got my class. I don't have to say anything, but yeah, that's kind of the level up that I love about being a, around really great coaches like yourself is we can connect on, you know, all the, the tactical things that we learn and you don't know you learn them until you see the outcome in class. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this was an amazing chat and always appreciate your time, Chris. I got a ton of value out of this. So I know a lot of people will, will get a lot of value out of this. Is there anything else you want to add to the discussion to wrap up here? Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, for those of you guys out there that are really having this, this core discussion with yourself about the future of your business and, you know, wanting to improve it. I, I just want you to say that, or, or say to you that I want you to hang in there. I want you to continue to fight. I, I want you to recognize that this has been waves for myself. You know, Andrew, I don't want to speak for you, but it like, that is yeah, this it journey. Is. <laughs> um, so, so at any point where you feel like it gets tough, like that's what makes business owners resilient and behind every challenge, it unlocks a new lesson learned, a new level up if you keep pushing. And you have to, in my opinion, find great mentors and leaders who have walked the walk, done the things that you're aspiring to, to get ahead. And that's what I've done. Andrew, I know that's what you've done and we continue to do. So never feel like you're alone. And always continue to find people that are doing it better or different and maintain that level of curiosity. Because if you don't, you'll get burned out. You will start feeling like it's a job. And Andrew, if I could tap into that, you know, where do I get this energy from to continue to reinvent? It's like, I think we have the most amazing career. But in order to turn it into a career, you have to have the coaching skill set and the business skill set to do this well, if you're going to do this line of work. And you have to look at them as two unique skills that you're constantly trying to level up. And I want to reach out to you guys that you know, want help becoming a master at marketing and business systems so that you can consistently get clients, you can consistently... Uh, feel like you're enrolling them at the right rates, current clients, new clients, and then have proven processes for making the business easier to run. That's where Factory Forge comes in. If you want help with that, go to group.factoryforge.com and then join my Facebook group, engage with us, get to know us. Um, it's called the Art of a Profit Gym if you're, you're looking for it on Facebook. But the value that you're going to get from being in a group that people want to level up guys. People want to get better at doing this thing. And it's not about getting rich. It's about building a successful long-term career in a business that gives you an ROI back for your family, for your sense of like helping people and influencing them. So that's why my message is, is come hang out with us, come learn and get on another level with your business and your coaching skill sets. And I would say, you know, Andrew, I just absolutely love what you're doing with coaches. And I hope that you continue to, you know, dive deeper into making our coaching skill sets and equal to our business skill sets. And that is what, you know, the transformer of, of our gym owners are, is they've got both things needed to, I hope one day we're 50 years old having this discussion um, and still owning gyms, still being able to, you know, see our kids do things and travel and you know we're we're having even more impact in, on, on our local communities but uh, my fear is that if we don't level up our coaching skill sets each year and our business skill sets uh, that our people out there that start these businesses are going to leave and uh, if they could just continue to push continue to learn and ask for help and be okay with getting coached themselves um, we're gonna we're gonna build a massive movement of of coaches and professional owners. That's a great way to end it. So you mentioned the art of the profitable gym. So is that basically where people can kind of find you and, and learn more about you and what you're doing? Yeah, that's, that's the best place to start getting instant uh, help. And I'll send you trainings based on what you're working on to really start your learning curve and then just get involved with people that are like you and, and find your community. You know, you can be on an Island sometimes and that group is your starting place.
Awesome. Thank you so much for making the time, Chris. This was amazing chatting with you. Likewise. Thank you.